we're going to go ahead and get started with a word of prayer. Amen? Father, we just thank you for this time that you've set aside for us to just sit quietly now in this beautiful environment, in this place where we have weather that's pretty amazing for August, where we can sit out and uh, not be concerned about uh, anything other than hearing you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your loving presence. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives each and every day. Lord, bless us now as we hear not my words, but your words being spoken on what we need to do to remind ourselves of how we stay focused on your very presence right now. Especially in the world that we live in today. A world of confusion is around us. A world of conflict is around us. And yet, Lord, you rise above and surpass all of that as long as we remain focused on your promises and what you tell us to do. Help us to remain focused in this area. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this past Wednesday, I went to Forest Hills Place where I, where my mother lives to do a Bible study. I host a Bible study that I do every second Wednesday of the month. Uh, it's something that um, they were ready to get me to get back into the building after having a few months of not being in the building at all. And, of course, around the time, I can pretty much count on the fact that when I go to a Bible study at Forest Hills Place, Satan is going to start attacking. Uh, that has been the way it's been lately for the past few times going. And so what happened this past Wednesday? Well, first of all, I had a bad dream before I woke up. You know, it was a silly dream, at least, you know, this time. Nothing that I could point to. I had a car in the dream that I was driving that I didn't recognize. Some black car. I don't have a black car. And uh, it, it was stolen from me. Okay. And then the dream ended. So that was the dream. So I woke up and decided to start reading the Bible before I got out of bed that morning, which was not normally my routine. I typically read after I get up and sit quietly somewhere. But that helped to get the day started. But then I logged in for work thinking that I had to prepare for a meeting with my supervisor while facing a number of distractions during the first hour of work. I then realized when I looked at the calendar (laughs) that I didn't have a scheduled meeting with her that day. So I was relieved, of course, but usually I have a good handle on my schedule, which means now I was just really out of sorts. I was just confused about what was going on for the day. So knowing that I had a Bible study later to go to, I was praying all morning for peace and calm as I reviewed my Bible study notes once again. And as time went by, I just told myself to keep it up with the prayers. Just keep praying. And with good reason. In the middle of the day, when I was going to the Bible study, I saw at least six examples of the most insane and ridiculous driving on the freeway. Not merely just speeding, but barreling up the road, these cars were moving between 80 and 90 miles an hour in relatively busy traffic. Cars that were weaving back and forth in lanes once they blew past me. One of them came really close to my car going by. 
And I mean really close. Now my prayers were audible, out loud. (laughs) I prayed that everyone in front of me doesn't freak out when they see these clowns driving recklessly. And yes, I said clowns. Amen? Because that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with people who are just not thinking, not being very smart. There are other words that you could use, but we won't use those today. Amen? Amen. So I'm making sure that they're not driving driving crazy and and causing other people to get into an accident. But it was such an unsettling moment. I just kept thinking of Fred Flintstone's Rubstone special driving like it was the Indian Rockless 500. That's what they are all trying to pretend to be. Like you're driving in a race like you're driving on the freeway. Now at the time, none of this was very funny. I wasn't laughing. I can laugh about it now, knowing the end result. Amen? I just kept praying. At that moment, it was a necessity. Have you ever considered that God's presence is a necessity when you are encountering all types of craziness? You better believe it. Now, if you haven't thought this way before, well, why? (laughs) But let me assure you that God's reassuring presence through your persistent prayers and petitions will smooth out all of the bumps in the moment. Smooth out all the bumps in the moment. That's what he does for us. But persistence is the key. Persistence. Keep asking for calm. Keep asking for calm. Keep seeking relief. Keep seeking relief. Keep knocking for more of God's peace. And as you serve Him, His wisdom and inspiration. He gives us these minds to do what? Absorb and take in his wisdom, his knowledge, and for us to use the inspiration that he gives us. You notice how I use the words asking, seeking, and knocking. Satan's attacks and his hindrances require Persistence in prayer and reflection on God's goodness and his enabling power. Persistence in prayer and reflection on God's goodness and his enabling power. Are you up for your battles with Satan? That's a question that we all should ask ourselves. Are you up for his battles? Guess what? You better be. You better be up for it. Because they're coming. They come all the time. You've got to be ready. You shouldn't be a believer who's always out there saying, Man, I'm caught off guard again. You shouldn't be that way. There comes a point. Yes, you will get caught off guard. No question, right? But every day, as you go further and further into this, and as you have a relationship with the Lord, it's like, Oh, man, not again. Expect them. He's in a battle with us. 
Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to 1 Peter chapter 5. Let's look at 1 Peter 5. Let's look at verses 8 through 10. 1 Peter 5 verses 8 through 10. While you're turning to that, I'm reminded that all of us should have the ability to look up God's word instantaneously. Make sure that you keep, if you got your phone with you, amen, everybody got their phone with them? Amen, their, their cell phone, whatever it is, amen? Put a Bible on there. Put a Bible on your phone. You'll always have the word right in front of you when you need it. First Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. Uh, Christian Standard Bible Version. Be sober-minded. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Verse 9. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. In other words... You're not going at it alone. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. Scripture is very clear that you're going to go through battles with Satan and it's something that he will do to restore you and bring you back because you will be suffering a little bit. A little bit here and there. Suffering is what you should expect. John chapter 10 verse 10 uh, says the thief, the thief being Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, being Jesus, who was quoted here, came that they may have life and have it abundantly. But there are truths being spoken in that passage. Satan wants to destroy you. Satan wants to undermine you. Satan wants to compromise you. Satan wants you to deny your faith. And if you let him, you'll be backtracking. You'll be hiding. You won't be that testimony that you should be for him. Soldiers in combat. Big Jim and guys like him, they know about this. Amen. Soldiers in combat make it their responsibility to have as much intel as possible of their enemy combatants. You got to know who you're going against. We are all living in a series of spiritual battles and more often than we sometimes realize. We go from battle to battle to battle. A series of spiritual battles. One thing might happen, it might get resolved, then wait a few more moments and here comes the next one. Wait a few more moments, here comes the next one. That's a series. It's ongoing. In spiritual warfare, like a soldier, 
you have a responsibility to gather intel, which is basically information about your enemy. Who's your enemy? Satan. You need to be ready and be prepared for him. How do you do that? It requires the seeking of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as often as necessary. As often as necessary. I think we mentioned earlier, you can seek Jesus Christ anytime you want to. You can wake up in the middle of the night and you can seek him then. You don't have to make an appointment. He'll listen to you right then and there. Amen? Amen? Amen. Right then and there. You don't have to make an appointment. Lord, I need to talk to you about something. You don't need to do that. You can do it right then and there. As often as necessary. It is his counsel in these moments that bring us success in our spiritual battles. Now, we might win or lose a few battles along the way. Amen? Amen? We know, we know what that is, amen? Because we have won some and we've lost some. But we always can take heart because we have the complete victory in Jesus Christ. Amen? We have the victory. In other words, play to win. You're not playing not to lose. There's a big difference. If we have the victory, live as if you have the victory. Do your part. Do your research. Study up. Do what's necessary. But play to win. We are always to seek truth. Seek the truth of Jesus Christ in his presence, his guidance, and his power through the Holy Spirit. In order that we can do what? Serve him at our very best. Now understand something. Serving him at our very best may mean we may not be 100% here in our bodies. But guess what? You're still serving him at your best ability. Because that's what matters. Now, I mentioned earlier about my quest for peace with constant prayer when related to the Bible study. Well, the answer here is still the same. Who better to go to for peace than the Prince of Peace? Is there anybody better to go to than the Prince of Peace? The Prince of Peace is faithful and true. What we're learning here, what I hope you're going to be seeing here as we talk about this, is who this Jesus Christ is. He's not just some dude. He's much more than that. Turn your Bibles to Revelation 19. And we're going to look at verses 11 through 13. And then we're also going to look at verse 16. Revelation 19, 11 through 13, and then verse 16. One of our greatest challenges as believers is increasing our study and increasing our knowledge and faith of the Jesus that we proclaim to serve. If we are not growing in this knowledge and understanding of who he is, then we're really being stagnant in our faith. He's challenging us to learn more. 
Revelation 19, let's start at verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True. And with justice he judges and makes war. Verse 12, his eyes were like a fiery flame, and many crowns were on his head. He had a name written that no one knows except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Is there any more clear reference about what John was talking about in the first chapter of John, about his name, the name Jesus, is indeed the Word of God? The Word of God. The 66 books of the Bible. The Word of God. That's who Jesus Christ is for us. And then verse 16. And he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh. King of kings and Lord of lords. King of kings and Lord of lords. There is no one better to fight with you through your battles with Satan than the king of kings. No one better. He needs to be right with you in those battles. But you have to keep asking him to be with you. You've got to keep asking him. You've got to keep seeking him. You've got to keep knocking on the door to request his presence and draw upon his strength and endurance. Because that's exactly what you need. Strength and endurance. Amen? To get through a battle, you need strength and endurance. You should be asking the Lord to strengthen you when you're weak as all get out. You're acting and operating in his strength and his endurance. By the way, just so you know, the Bible study this past Wednesday was a glorious experience. Praise the Lord. It went really well. If God is involved in your life, he can make your day. Amen. He made mine. And he gets all the credit. He is worthy of the praise. Amen. When things are just feeling lousy, he can fix it for you. And in ways you don't even realize sometimes. When things aren't so hectic in the moment, now listen carefully. Your normal process remains the pursuit of an active relationship and guidance from the Lord. It should be part of your daily routine. We're not just calling on the Lord when we need him in times of difficulty. We're now calling on him in times when we need to just get in front of the word and study and read. It should be part of your daily routine, your daily reading. And God bless all of you who have Bibles out in front of you because you understand what I mean when I say that. That's the source. We have to go there. Now, the daily routine involves what? Well, as you fellowship with believers, as you meditate on the word, whether you're at work or at play. You get that? Whether you're at work or at play, you'll be at work. For those of us who are still working, well, a lot of us are still working, honestly. You're working in different ways. But work or play, vacation, whatever it is, you're still meditating on God's word. 
at all times. And in your quiet moments of Bible study and your daily devotions. Your quiet moments at home. That's your daily routine. That's a 365 day a year proposition. Everything I just discussed, you're going to be doing all of these things at some time during the year. Now let's take a look at the passage that kind of starts all this talk. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. Jesus is giving us information in this passage because he understands what we need to do as human beings who are flawed and fallible we need to be reminded of what's necessary to develop our relationship with him. And it involves repetition and it involves focus. It says in Matthew 7, 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Remember, it will be opened. Now, the only thing we don't know about this particular set of the passage is the timing. The timing. Because the timing is going to be very important here. The timing is important where God is not a genie. He doesn't just respond when you ask one time like you're rubbing a lamp and you're going to get an answer. It doesn't mean that he won't answer you. He won't respond. He will respond. But timing is the key here for all of us. We have an issue as people with timing. Amen. Timing is a problem. Thank you. Timing is an issue for us. A lot of us want stuff to happen right now. And that's not realistic. But that's what we still want anyway. We still want it to happen right now. Okay, let's start with the first part of this. Start by asking of him. The search for answers has some basic components that are within the search process. The first of these is relatively straightforward. You want to know more about Jesus Christ? Ask for information. Ask for information. It's a basic process. When we're trying to get knowledge of something, we have to start asking for information. We've got to be prepared to ask questions in order to receive answers that are going to do what? Provide what? Comfort? And guidance. Comfort and guidance. Because typically when we're asking the Lord, we're now taking the word that we're reading and studying and want it applied to our lives. Comfort and guidance. Once you hear the answers, now you can test their veracity as you are challenged to be obedient to God and heed his word. Now understand something. We can ask God all kinds of stuff. But it comes down to, first of all, testing out the word and searching it. Let's look at Acts 17 real quick, verses 10 through 12. Because this is what we should be doing. It's not about taking somebody's word for it. One of the things that we did in one of our seminars, the pact, making a pact with Jesus, one of the things that we talk about, the C is getting counsel from others. Well, we should get counsel from others. There are people who know more than we do, honestly who are smarter than we are, have a lot of expertise, but preferably people who are following the Lord. Well, we need to test this stuff out sometimes. 
Acts 17 verses 10 through 12 says the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them, therefore, believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. When it comes to general Bible knowledge, asking questions during Bible studies or Sunday school classes will most certainly be confirmed with the appropriate scriptural fact checking. You can go back and reference it. The spirit, though, is the one who guides us into truth. It has to be the spirit that teaches us. The spirit guides us into this truth and godly wisdom. And I underline this in my notes. If we are paying attention. If we're paying attention. You can sit through all kinds of studies. And watch stuff online, whatever it is. Watch stuff on TV. But if you're not paying attention, what's the purpose? You got to pay attention. You got to pay attention to what the Spirit is trying to tell you. Jesus promises that when we ask, we will receive the answers that we need through the Spirit. Go to John 16, 13, please. John chapter 16, verse 13. John chapter 16, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. Okay. So the Spirit is basically taking the words of Jesus Christ and relaying them to you. That's what the Spirit does. That's exactly what this passage says. He's giving you what you need, but you've got to be what? Paying attention. Pay attention to what he's trying to say to you. Continue your quest by seeking. The next thing is seeking. Jesus advises you to keep seeking. Keep seeking. Keep going. Keep looking. You're always looking for truth and godly wisdom. Always. Especially in a world that we live in of falsehoods and general worldliness. There's a lot of untruth out there. There's a lot of falsehoods out there. There's a lot of lying going on in the world today. Amen? There's a lot of it. If you persist, there's going to come a point where what you are looking for will be found. Will be found. That's a promise of the Lord. But you've got to keep looking. Keep looking. Notice that Jesus doesn't immediately proclaim that you are to seek him directly, but sometimes just tells you just go to the word. Go to the living word. Go to the scriptures. But the likelihood is that even if you go to the word, you're going to come to the same conclusion. John 5, 39. You don't need to turn to it. I'll just read it to you. 
John 5.39 says, You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me, referring to Jesus Christ. They just point right to him. Again, he's our primary focus. He's our primary focus. The scriptures all lead back to Jesus Christ. Now, the reason why I mentioned this, you can miss an important message that Jesus is trying to tell you if you're not focusing on what's really important here. If you look at Matthew Henry's commentary about this passage in John 5.39, you have to understand that even though the Jews were scholars and believed that they had everything they needed because they had God's word in their hands, they still neglected what? God's true message. And had lost their love for God. Remember the Pharisees? They had God's word. They knew the word. But they had lost their true love for who Jesus was. Many people believe they are very religious. But sadly, they do not love or even know Jesus in a relational way. I pray that you just keep growing in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's so important. You have so much more over those scholars. Because you love Jesus and understand that he loves you. Persistence in your search for Jesus also requires a desire to be comfortable with the results. Comfortable with the results. You may not always like what you find when you seek Jesus. Because what you find out about who you are may make you very uncomfortable. So you need to be prepared for that. You may not like what you see about yourself as you seek Jesus. As you humble yourself before Jesus, you are laid bare before him. How many of you felt like you were just naked right before the Lord? Amen? And I'm using the word naked on purpose. Because you can't hide from him. Once you humble yourself before the Lord, it's like you ain't got no clothes on. There's nothing there. He knows all about you. And the reason why you feel that way is because you know you need to repent. Humble yourself before the Lord as you repent and remove those blocks in your life. And I mean blocks that are preventing God's truth from getting where it needs to go most. Right here in your heart. That's where you need to be with a relationship with the Lord. Not up here, right here in your heart. The answers come from scripture, and as we seek the truth, we should have the desire, honestly, to seek it more and more. Don't stop. You keep going. Go to Psalm chapter 1. Let's look at verses 1 through 3. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Isn't this a beautiful day? Bite my tongue. No snot, no sirens, no weird noises, no wood sawing, no. <laughs> For once it's quiet. 
Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. That's the world that we live in. Verse 2, instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted below, beside flowing streams that bears his fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Amen. That should be all of us. That's a description of who we should be. And notice it's the first three verses in the Psalms. The very first thing you look at in the Psalms is telling you who we should be. Okay, so the search for truth requires asking for information, seeking answers to your questions, and another act of persistence, knocking, knocking. The act of knocking on a door, which we read in Matthew chapter 7, is a sound. When you make a knock, it creates attention. That's what knocking does. It creates attention. The sounds that you're making... It creates attention. To knock on the door is to alert someone on the other side that you wish to obtain entry to a place you cannot readily access without the door being open for you. Now, logically, look, if the door is open, you can just walk right in and you don't need to knock, right? But this, in this situation, you can't get in unless somebody lets you in. So knocking is calling attention to the fact you want to get in. Let's examine the reference of knocking and the door will be opened. It's a description of persistence and also a description of endurance. Remember what we said earlier about endurance? Endurance is necessary in this process. Remember, we, we don't know the Lord's timing in how he responds sometimes. So we have to just keep being persistent in the process. And there's endurance in that. You have to endure it. The door being knocked on is being considered as an obstacle. Now the obstacle can be a very small thing or it can be a very great trial in your life. A big trial. It is an obstacle. It's something that you don't want to have to deal with, but you're having to deal with it. So you have to do what? You have to endure that obstacle. If you were to look at research and commentaries on this, the references are being made to the combined efforts of prayer, because prayer should always be part of this, persistence and endurance within the act of not knocking. Prayer, persistence, and endurance. That's where we are in that situation. You continue to knock on the door until it is opened. Until it's opened. There's a parallel verse to Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. Let's take a look at it. Turn to Luke 11, verses 5 through 9. Luke 11, verses 5 through 9.
Luke 11, verses 5 through 9. Now, this example is so true, especially if you've got good friends. You'll know exactly where this is going. It says, he, Jesus being the one speaking here, also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And then Jesus finishes by saying, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. So even in that situation... Your persistent knocking is going to get someone to do something they don't want to do necessarily, but they're going to do it anyway to help you. Because that's what a friend does. An open door after persistent knocking brings on a sense of what? Relief and satisfaction. Relief and satisfaction. That's what an open door does for you. Couple this with what it is to receive rest and security in the Lord. Rest and security is what God is giving you in that process. If you notice closely in the verse that the Lord makes a promise to us that he will open the door. Not that he might open the door or that he could open the door. He will open the door. He promises that. But he challenges us to just keep working at it. Keep knocking. He opens the door to truth. He opens the door to peace and comfort. The door to his restful and secure presence. This is the promise that he gives to those who remain persistent in seeking him. Enduring hardships to fellowship with him and looking for ways to understand him and his wisdom as much as possible. He will open the door. He's opened the door for us already. In many ways. Amen? He's opened the door. You know that. Notice that this is exactly what Jesus Christ wants you to do in your efforts to seek him. To keep asking questions. To keep seeking understanding. And to continue to pray in earnest for your hardships. Until the time he responds to you. The beauty of it is we don't know how he's going to respond, but it may be in such a way we don't even expect he responds. But he knows where your heart is. He knows what you're looking for. That's the great thing about Jesus. Seeking the truth means you're doing much more than just learning about Jesus. You're learning about the actions of asking, about seeking and knocking. It's going to move you to a more conscious closeness with the living Christ. The one who knows all about you while you are learning about him. He truly knows all about you, but you're still learning about him. And you're learning more about how he loves you 
Romans 5, 8 says, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much he loves us. That's the Christ we need to learn more all about. Seeking Jesus Christ in such a way where we are learning more about him. He loves us. And as we learn to know more about him, we love him as well. Because he's so good for us. He's so good to us. Amen? Father, I just thank you for your teaching. I thank you for reminding us of the importance of being persistent before you. About how we are to indeed just look to you. We dare to ask, to seek and knock. And remain persistent in our efforts to gain more from you. We want rest, Lord. We want your rest. We want your peace. We want your power. We want your sanctifying power through the Holy Spirit. We thank you for what you do for us. And what you continue to do for us. And we thank you for keeping all of your promises. As we make an effort to live for you. And we just give you all the thanks and praise. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you.